Ever wondered how sugar is grown and processed in the UK? Did you even know that sugar is grown in the UK? I'm on a mission to make more people aware about how sugar beet is taken from the field to the factory and ends up on our supermarket shelves. Join me as I talk to Head of Agriculture at British Sugar, Dan Downs, who recently showed me around the sugar beet factory at Whittington. We've got some sweet treats in store for your recipe suggestions too. Just to let you know that there is a slight wobble on the internet in places in this episode, but that's working in rural areas for you, hey? Okay, let's do this. Hello, welcome to the Countryside Kitchen Meats, a food and farming podcast. I'm Millie Fife, your host. I'm a mum of two, farmer's wife, food producer and passionate about flying the flag for British food and farming. Today we'll be chatting to Dan Downs, Head of Agriculture for British Sugar at Whissington. Then I've got a few time-saving hacks when it comes to mealtime preparation and some recipes to share, meaning you can juggle family life with the children and cook a tasty, nutritious meal too. Okay, let's introduce you to my guest. A few weeks ago, I was fortunate to have a tour around the sugar beet factory at Whittington, and I was intrigued to find out how the humble sugar beet grown in the field is processed and turned into the bags of sugar we find on the supermarket shelves. It surprises me so much that people are not aware that sugar is grown and produced in this country. And I wanted to work on a podcast episode detailing the sugar journey, as well as all the byproducts that are made too. Dan Downs, Head of Agriculture at British Sugar, kindly took time out of his busy schedule to show me around the whole process of sugar beet arriving at the factory site and how it is transformed. I got a real inside the factory experience, so move over, Greg Wallace. Dan has worked for British Sugar for over 23 years and has a wealth of knowledge on the subject, which I'm hoping we can explore on this podcast episode today. So without further ado, let's talk to Dan Downs. Hello! Hello, Millie. <laughs> How are you? Fine, thank you, Millie. No, it's been good. It oh, was good to show you around the other day. Oh, it was fantastic. I'm so, you know, thank you for taking the time because, you know, it was a good three or four hours out of your day. And I'm sure you probably have lots of other pressing needs on your time, but it was really fascinating. Yeah, no, it's quite a, it's quite an interesting place. It's quite unique, really, in the UK. So uh, it was good to take you around, Millie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it's not something you do every day. I mean, you know, it's not like you know, it's not it's not like a Cadbury's World, or you know, it is, it's mm. very much a working factory. And um, it really did give me a behind the scenes kind of insight into how that hum- humble sugar beet that's grown out in the fields that you see across the East Anglian region um, and how that then gets processed and turned into a bag of sugar, but also all the other different things that sugar is it goes into. How did you become, you know, you've been involved with British Sugar for a long time now. So what's your backstory? How did you get involved? Yeah, so, um, well, I worked on a farm as a student many, many years ago, back in the 1980s. And, uh, and joined British Sugar in 1989. And actually, I got involved originally by working on a farm in Norfolk with a uh, with a guy who ran a sugar beet harvester. Uh, and he was a contractor for about three or four fairly large farms in, uh, in Norfolk. And I really enjoyed working with him as a contractor for a sugar beet season mm-hmm. compared to the other crops on the farm. And also, I uh, on the farm I worked on, 
which actually at one time was the Morley Lightland Centre, um, who I actually used the uh, irrigation system there to irrigate sugar beet. And that gave me another interest. Then went to Rittle Agricultural College, uh, when it was an agricultural college. And um, it was a, uh, I did my thesis on irrigation yield uh, benefits in sugar beet. So I've had this bit of a trend running through my academic years. And back in 1989, a gentleman from British Sugar turned up at the college on a day when um, students were up to their usual antics. And I turned up to my interview in a pair of ripped jeans and an old T-shirt uh, for a first interview. And um, I must have impressed him as they then gave me a second interview, <laughs> which was much more and more plush surroundings at the uh, George at Stamford, there was people <laughs> who know it, and uh, and I successfully got a place on the graduate scheme, and so I started out from my, in my early years as a fieldman, as we were then known, um, going out and dealing with the farmers, and I really enjoyed dealing with the farmer contact and the individuals and the characters. The trouble was, I was looking after an area in, in Mid Lincolnshire. Most of the farmers were somehow related. So you have to be really careful what you said. And agriculture is a small world, and it's so true today. Mm. It's amazing who crops up in uh, in different arenas. So I enjoyed doing that, and then I progressed in my career through British Sugar. I went then up, uh, working at Bardney, and then went to York, looking after the intake of the sugar beet into York Factory, and was there at, when York actually closed. And then since then, I've worked at the, all the factories in East Anglia, uh, I currently look after, I'm, I'm a head of operations for agriculture now, and so I look after all four sites. But it's really interesting that every season is different. Mm. And I think that's one of the real key things about farming and agriculture is one is you meet lots of really, really good people. And mm. secondly is is every year as we rely so much on the weather that um, we can, uh, every year brings its separate challenges. And uh, mm. that's what I enjoy now. And and so now I'm responsible for the beet purchase of the sugar beet crop across nationally, um, its yield estimation, yeah, and also for the um, tear house operation where we analyse the samples for sugar content and impurities. So I've re really enjoyed my time in British Sugar, and that's where it started. That's fantastic. Yeah. And just tell me, you're processing a lot of sugar beet each year. In terms of tonnage, What what's going through and how much output do you get from that so on a um uh we went and had a look around whissington so mm. talk to a bit more about whissington but as a national business we actually process around about 46 to fifty thousand tons of sugar beet per day mm. yeah uh it's a big logistical operation and uh and the sugar content is a uh, on average is around about 17 to 17 and a half percent sugar Mm. This year is pretty typical of that. And so uh, I can't work out the maths off the top of my head, but if you work out about 17, 17.5% of 46,000 tonnes, um, that's roughly how much sugar we um, we produce per day. And it's quite a complex process, uh, but it's a very natural process mm. because we don't actually add anything to it which, that isn't a natural product yeah. uh, or material. So uh, as you saw, Millie, when you came round, it mm. there's lots of different steps to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, should we should we talk about how that how that sugar beet? I mean, first of all, 
what it you know to a lot of people that probably don't even know what a sugar beet looks like it is quite a hefty um vegetable you call it a vegetable would you or uh i'm just trying to work out uh in terms of it is a vegetable isn't it it is, i suppose it is really but yeah. it's uh it's to red beet beetroot yeah. mm. uh, fodder beet yeah so mm. it's part of the to vulgaris yeah I suppose it's vegetable really yeah. yeah and so you know how how does how does that get out of the field in the first place and then how does it get to you so yeah so people who don't live near a sugar beet growing area uh i think even more don't realize we grow sugar in the uk mm. actually provide about percent of the uk consumption there mm. from about two and a half thousand farms in east anglia nottingham Lincolnshire. that sugar beet is planted very small seed um in uh, in march and april and then through the growing season up to be a sugar beet which is on average about one kilogram in weight mm. so about two pounds in weight and it looked like a very large parsnip really very similar color um and and from a, a hectare of uh, of land sort of equivalent to a football field mm. um that we uh, we will get on that around about 11 to 12 tons of sugar from the size of a football field mm. and at 100,000 plants in that hectare area mm. and uh, the harvest go and uh, harvest the crop fairly specialist machinery yeah, harvester is planted in rows, so the harvester lift it mechanically, and then it is lifted into a clamp on the farm, which is there only a few days, and then it's collected by many bookside, you know, bulk lorries, mm. you know, um, four, four ton lorries that then bring it to the forefront. And then, I mean, I saw them all queuing up. I mean, you know, campaign season for actually harvesting, lifting the beet is between. September and March, um, and so so obviously autumn winter time it's been lifted um, and being brought in by road to you, and then I mean I saw the unloading and the washing and you know it's all carried round on on you know these massive um, tracks by water basically to clean whilst it's going through the various processes and also the testing as well that you you were talking about in the um, in t- talk to me about a bit about that. So, so yeah, so once lorries turn up, we actually yeah, sample them and we uh, then analyse those samples to determine pay uh, all the growers. Mm. Uh, and all the farmers are on contract to us. Uh, it's not that somebody can just decide to grow, deliver to us. Uh, and, uh, and that's because of safety. You mm. know, all the fields are registered for sheep and they are, have to um, have very strict rules of crop assurance mm. red tractor has to be a red tractor assured for every sugar beet that comes in one of the four factories and because the sugar beet comes out of a field it looks quite dirty mm. it's, it's like if you leave your own potatoes out of your own garden will stuck on them exactly the sugar beet we wash that soil off by moving it with a lot of water and that's why sugar factories are always located next to a river water source and then um, that beet, as it's cleaned up, some very interesting things delivered. Sugar beet at times, because stuff comes out of field, and bits of machinery and uh, stones, and uh, we have to separate all that material out 
uh, and goes into the factory for processing. Now, with sugar beet being about carbon weight, put that into a tool for extracting the sugar wouldn't work very well. Okay, mm. I'm going to use an analogy for how we sugar out is uh, if you think of microchips, we slice the beet up with big industrial slicing, which are like big cheese graters, mm. uh, slice the beet up, long, thin strips. There, as you run your fingers around them, they're diamond shaped. That gives you maximum surface area to diffuse the sugar out. So think of yourself at home when you've got a cup of tea, well, you put a spoonful of sugar in when you tea, and you take your spoon, you stir it round, and you stir it around to dissolve the sugar out from the, from sugar into the water. That's exactly how we uh, extract the sugar from the batter. We put all the cells of beet into a big vessel diffuser, which is a long horizontal we add hot water to it, a bit like you with your teacup, mm. and we put the slices a bit round. At one end, you come, uh, you remove by dissolving sugar into the water, and the other end of the drum, you end up with a uh, fibrous material that goes on to be animal feed. Yeah. Well, once we processed it, so so we there's the sugar beet goes as molasses beet feed or unmolasses sugar beet feed, which um, fed. Various livestock, uh, sort of thing. But then, when you when you've extracted the sugar from the uh, uh, from the beet, it's like a very thin liquid, very pale yellow colour. We then purify it. So in all the fertilizer that's been on the field to uh, make the crop grow into a high yield, some of that fertilizer nutrients end up in that liquid, and remove that. So we remove by we buy uh, limestone yep. and carbonate, high quality Derbyshire. So actually, part of the process we're supporting the the industry in Derbyshire. Uh, that's brought by transport and, and rail factories, and we burn limestone. And when you burn limestone, um, you convert it into a different sort of lime called calcium oxide. You then add water to it, and it literally blows up it explodes and <clears throat> by exploding it you get into that this uh, and we add a to it makes like a thin liquid mm -hmm. like milk we call yeah. it lime um and uh, that milk lime you add it juice and that lime sticks to all the bits of fertilizer all all the all the nutrients and it draws them out of the juice mm -hmm. yeah we collect them at the end of that and we take the lime from the juice is now a lot purer because it's got no uh, nutrients in it and the uh, glucose and sucrose <clears throat> and the lime we physically press it um a bit more sugar out of it and it goes back to farms for correcting acidity on the on the local farms so it goes to the mushroom industry as well for uh, growing media or mm. mushroom mm. so connected to quite a few other agricultural industries millie as we uh through the process yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And what what astonished me as well is what I didn't realise how sustainable a crop is in terms of obviously, you know, I thought, oh, I'm going to learn about, you know, the bags of sugar that, that we buy in the supermarket. 
But actually, there is so much more to that sugar beet than, than people probably even realise in all the other areas in which you were supplying into, um, you know, with your topsoil and your sugar beet for animal feed and all the different chemicals. Um, I mean, it, it really is a hero uh, crop, really, isn't it, in terms of all the different things that it is producing? Yeah, so people just think about sugar or sugar beet, sugar, as you say, mm. you know, think. The, um, and it's good to let people understand that we do produce sugar in the UK. Mm. Most people think it's grown in the Caribbean around the world. <laughs> you know, it's a big industry in the UK. But what we also do is the soil that's come in with the sugar beet, we, uh, because it's good ag- agricultural soil, we, um, we separate the beet, we dry it, and we make that into a topsoil product. And we're the supplier of topsoil into the UK market. That's on the back of sugar. Mm. We provide lime processed back to agriculture, boom industry ever mentioned. We reprocess the stones. Also, we wash the stones and reuse stones. Um, nothing is actually wasted. And once further down the process, like I've, I've talked through the process up to getting it into a like a fair thick juice, looks a bit like golden syrup at this point. Mm. And then you crystallize it. So it's a bit like baking now. Mm. So where you reducing the volume of liquid all the time and if you keep boiling liquid that's sugary then uh, crystallizes naturally and we control how crystals are made if the crystal's too big it means that if we sell sugar to uh, a biscuit manufacturer and they put sugar in their biscuits it means that they don't fit in the mm. so i actually get it to a crystal the right size is mm. important all the way through final sugar product all the time with there's various that we can take from the sugar juice main one being granulated sugar it all ends up as white granulated then we can screen it into caster sugar we can mill it into sugar uh, various other technical blends we make for certain customers um, but the byproducts are things we actually distill it as well uh, and we through resin separation makes a product called betaine now all of you will use because it's in uh, cosmetics, it's a foaming agent. So that can that comes from sugar beet, um, and we also do, finally distill any remaining, sugar, and that goes into ethanol. And so, if it's a petrol car and you petrol pump E10, that means 10% ethanol is in your petrol. Mm. Uh, some of the ethanol in your car will have come from the sugar beet industry and the sugar industry. So nothing is wasted. Mm. in the uh, in the factory so for three inputs which is limestone sugar beet energy there's a lot of outputs uh, outputs that come as well so we're constantly reading that fantastic oh well you you make it you make it sound so simple and so to me it's absolutely fascinating and i hope everyone listening as well really understands um just you know the process that it, that that happens in terms of um the sugar process but also what you can get out of, of that sugar beet other than actually sugar. And I mean, you know, why should people care about supporting British sugar production? So I think the main thing is we are part, not just about the sugar and the sugar factories. There's a whole bigger industry there that supports our own sugar. Mm. Um, and in fact, if people just knew at factory, they can see the brickwork right across the factory says homegrown sugar on mm. and 
And I think people are quite proud of the fact that we actually are producing our own food in the UK. So the industry supports lots of other areas as well. So we do actually uh, produce the animal feed from the, uh, from the sugar as well. Mm. That goes into the dairy, into sheep, fed to horses, if you so. Uh, yeah. and, uh, I think it it's actually goes into many other other lot types of food product uh, mm. as well. Also, it's part of a rotation that the farm grow. Uh, so wheat, uh, things like wheat that are sort of uh, crops, uh, sugar beet is a big, broad crop, yeah. and it allows the countryside to have more diversity, diversity in it because on the farm, you've got a much wider diversification of crops, mm. which supports a lot more wildlife and insect life, uh, which uh, which is really important in the environment. Mm, definitely. That's right. Because, I mean, you know, when, when farmers are growing crops, they don't just grow the same crop in the same field every year. They have to have that rotation in order to, you know, mitigate against uh, pests and diseases um, to ensure that, you know, you're, you're always concerned about soil nutrition, soil health as well. And so by having that break crop or, or you know, and using sugar beet as one of those crops. But, I mean, it is very much a crop uh, that's grown across East Anglia. You wouldn't necessarily see it over in the West Country or over in Wales, for example. And that's a lot of that is to do with the soil type, isn't it? It is, yeah. Exactly, Millie. And that's why the industry is focused on in the East because we've got soil types. You do need fairly level fields, mm. point, yeah. And also the right climate in, in the east. It tends to be warmer in the east as well. Sugar beet doesn't need a massive amount of water to actually grow. Mm. Uh, and actually be quite tolerant of quite high conditions. Mm. Um, and so so that's why it, it's more grown. And, and, our, and that's factories are located where they are because we don't want to be. Uh, it's quite a bulky crop. We don't want to be moving it long distance for processing. So our average distance farm to the factories over 28 miles mm. in terms of our you know uh, environmental impact yes we have a lot of lorries on the road but we're traveling quite short distance and the fact we do quite a lot of lots in the factories to try and reduce our carbon footprint as well reduce our energy the sugar in any sugar factory is very uses a lot of energy and uh and because of recent energy costs but for years British sugars all tried to reduce energy usage mm. uh, by doing projects that use steam, for example, uh, uh, heat uh, and the hot water that is produced. We, re we use that many, many times over mm. to reduce the impact that we have, reduce our CO2 footprint. Yeah, it, it just, you know, it, it is such a sustainable way of um, um, getting something out of, out of that crop. It's, um, you know, it, sorry, I keep, I keep banging on about it because it's just something I've been so passionate about, sort of sharing with everyone. And I just feel so privileged to have been able to have a look around and see for myself and be able to sort of talk about um, sugar beet production in this country. And I mean, you do a lot to support your local community as well because it's, you know, the area surrounding you, it's very, very, you know, you're reliant on road transports and, and things like that. So just talk to me a little bit about about the, the support that you give towards the local communities and schools and things like that. Yeah, so so anybody who 
about or seen factories, they do stand out quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one at uh, at, at Whist, which is uh, which is on the Fen uh, in um, Western Norfolk, uh, and um, so we do understand that actually one of our principles is actually try and be a good neighbour. Mm. I think it's a good principle anywhere at the business you're in. So our local local villages, we do work with them a lot to support fundraising for activities they do. Um, we do actually go into schools quite a lot and support the understanding of homegrown, mainly sugar, obviously, mm. but it, it's to allow people to understand where sugar actually comes from. In fact, some schools I've with in the past, we've given them beet seed and they have a sugar beet growing competition. Oh, fantastic. They're in the, uh, in, in the in school grounds. That's usually quite good fun. Yeah. And then you, we go along afterwards and, and give a prize for the sugar beet. Because mm. unfortunately, children, it's, it, we can't allow in the factory. Mm. But um, so we do it in a different way. But certainly the local villages and, and the parish council, we do work with them to try and support them in terms of what they're looking for to try and improve the local environment mm. and with the very various authorities. But um, yeah, it, 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 it's a really trying to be understanding of their needs, the impact on them, and actually trying to have some, trying to find some common ground mm. on how we can both work in the same environment. And actually, mm. it works with relationship with our local environment generally mm. where the I love I love the fact that you know most schools probably do a sunflower growing competition and everyone around my he does a, a sugar beet competition. I like that a lot. I think we'll have to sort of uh, challenge a few more schools to do do some things because presumably then you say they get a prize for the heaviest or the or the the biggest. What do they do? Grow it in a pot or something? Or actually, yeah, the gro- well, yeah. Well, it's usually if they have like a little garden. Now, yeah, it's quite often do these days if they've got the space. Um, Typical schools in in a rural area they usually do have a bit of and they quite often grow a few things to for educational reasons. Yeah. So you know, each has ten seeds. They put the row out. They put the name at the end of it, and then it's up to them to water their seeds, yeah <laughs> uh, and weed them and else. And then uh, and yeah, what we do at the end is we work out from the total volume of sugar beet that they've got how much sugar they would produce from that, and then do a thing of how many the standard silver spoon bag of mm. sugar the one kilo bag we then give them enough bags you've grown from their plot oh, so yeah, it, Brilliant. Uh, it follows it all the way through it's quite active actually it's yeah and and you've done a little bit on tv with cbeebies haven't you something very similar you uh, you uh, had made your tv uh, debut doing your homework <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah people might have heard my voice on the uh, farmer ted before or Country file, uh, yeah. Your your comment about Greg's, yeah, he's been around the factory as well, inside the factory. It was yeah, yeah. And you had, so, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I was spe- yeah. I was speaking to Charlotte it's, Smith, it's talking to Charlotte Smith from Country yeah. File the other day, and uh, she was saying it's really fascinating coming round, and I was like, yeah, it really is. So yeah, it's <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it's great that you do these um, uh, media interviews and allow you know cameras to go behind the scenes and things because it is it's not something that you see every, or appreciate every day but i think it you know from an educational point of view um it it can only be a benefit can't it yeah like, like it really the, the sugar industry is quite unique like mm-hmm. i've enjoyed being in it because it's quite different to any other 
Mm. You know, and uh, it's uh, and, and because of that, the, um, the agronomy behind the scenes and the advance have been made in sugar beet a time of 30 plus years have been quite dramatic. Mm. Machinery and seed varieties and seed breeding and, uh, and treating on the seed as well. So and it will keep on passing in that same way. Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's talk um, about a bit of cooking now. When it comes to cooking, what's your go-to? Do you enjoy cooking? Have you got any favourite dishes that you enjoy? Yeah, uh, I really do a lot of cooking, I'll be quite honest. However, I've got a little story for you. Is a f- <laughs> I did uh, not years ago uh, attempt to bake a Victoria sponge cake. Yeah. And it didn't go particularly well. And uh, the reason I baked this was because it was for a fundraising thing and uh, we auctioned off and it, my cake did not rise i got something completely wrong <laughs> and uh, so i got two layers of my victoria sponge and they were about inch deep the same depth they were when i put them in the in in the in the, in the, in the pan to bake mm. anyway i didn't fill in it with anything it was that bad. didn't bother putting any more cream or anything in between the two i just took my two layer victoria sponge Anywhere, like it was, and more money than any other cake there. No, so for baking, probably not. However, no. um, I, I do actually have quite a uh, affinity to chocolate. Yeah, um, yeah. So chocolate is probably my, which is my sweet tooth. Yeah, thing out, um, and and also Viennese world. Okay, yeah. Yeah, nice. Are probably yeah. my two things that I would um that would I I I I go. Trouble is, I quite like chocolate, but that's Swiss. That's not got our sugar in it. But um, so I think I'll have to get more onto Cadbury's because we supply this. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Well, yeah. you'll love it in a minute because I'm going to share um a chocolate sponge cake recipe with you, which was in homage to you. So, uh, so I'm quite pleased that you said that. So that's yeah. that was completely unplanned. <laughs> Good segue. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh no, fantastic! It sounds it sounds like you've got sweet tooth. It's a bit of an occupational hazard, then, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is really like it. Hopefully we don't, uh, in, uh, as British Sugar, we don't, we, we will make uh, products, but they're only one away from sugar. Mm. So, mm. like, for instance, we will bioethanol, but we will not make, yeah. Mm. Uh, so, thankfully, we do know, we do not have a plant on site. No. Uh, probably just as well, really. Mm. Uh, we do sell quite a lot of sugar to um, chocolate manufacturers in the UK yeah 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 because that's the thing it's all it's all the raw product which then goes to other things doesn't it so obviously you but you have got your own brand branded sugar which goes into sort of big catering retail type but then you've got the silver spoon arm which then is the retail arm for marketing the sugar but then all the other elements which you described then get sort of taken away and sold Mm. to other people for processing Factory you came to, Millie, being at Whiston, we are 100% in real sugars. Mm. So, therefore, sell sugars to from a 29-ton uh, load to a 25-kilo bag, uh, and it goes to customers all around the country. Mm. And, you know, the very large uh, users of sugar, like chocolate manufacturers, drink manufacturers, they'll take a tanker load, whereas 
smaller bakeries, you know, uh, uh, and um, uh, producers of cakes or specialty cakes, they'll take a 25k. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we deal with a whole range of sugar customers and uh, and we have to provide quite support for that. The other area to get involved in, of course, is, is that in the past hasn't had quite bad press in terms of, you know, uh, health. Mm. Um, we, we have done quite a lot as well trying to educate the public on on sugar part of mm. the uh, sugar consumption yeah definitely yeah. Mm. Uh, you know all uh, quite a number of food have come under fire over the decades but um it's part of a balance and eating everything in um in, in moderation yeah exactly well i think you know sugar goes into so much and it's making sure that yeah everyone does have a balanced diet but you know, if you are going to bake a cake or, uh, you know, make something that's going to last, even a jar of jam, it is a natural preservative. So, you know, it's something that we can't really live without. So, but it is, like you say, it's in moderation is making sure that people don't drink the cans of pop, you know, lots and lots of cans of pop or or just, you know, that it is a ba- part of a balanced diet, basically. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. So, how can people find more information on British Sugar? What what do you suggest if they want to find out more? Yeah, so so in terms of um, uh, first of all about British and and the company and what we do, there's quite a lot of information on Sugar website. Mm. So if any types British Sugar into a uh, into the internet, it come up with the uh, British Sugar website and uh, and it's quite a lot of information about factories. It gives information or support in terms of uh, customers but also is there's a section on there about sugar and about giving people the fact about um uh, sugar and the balanced diet we've just been talking about yeah but also um regarding schools just going back to that one is is mm. there is a, a link on there uh, we produce school packs they're quite simple, what they are they're like a uh, a chart that can be put upon the wall and um, quite a lot of farmers actually have been using them by going in schools. Mm. The National Farmers use quite a bit of that as well. Yeah. Um, the chart is like a white, clean chart that you can use in schools as, as an education tool as well. Yeah. So there's, there's access to all sort of thing on the uh, on the website. There's actually a, uh, there's a research and development as well, which is the Beat Research Organisation, and they support uh, the growing of the sugar beet farmers and uh, have an information source well for the work they do on research and oh fantastic yeah well i saw that when i came to see you as well you've got you you know you've got the research side of things at whittington and yeah. again that's a big big part of um you know obviously looking at the yields and developing development of the uh, varieties of, of sugar beet as well you never stand still and obviously yeah. as climate change and all the other factors weather and uh yeah what, whatever can throw at us you know you're mm-hmm. always sort of a step ahead really in terms of ensuring that you'll have a harvest for the future now it's time um i've got some time saving hacks for you to try at home a friend recently told me about how to make a beef casserole rich and flavorsome and do you know what she does she throws in a can of oxtail soup into the mixture you've got to have a go Get some British beef, braising steak or a stew mix from the butcher or supermarket. Chop up some vegetables, 
I normally use like a carrot, some onion, um, a potato, and then a can of chopped tomato and a stock cube. Add your can of oxtail soup and leave for four to six hours in a slow cooker or a warm oven. And then when you get home, you have a tasty beef stew that you can eat either on its own or you can serve it with rice, pasta or a jacket potato. Um, it's a real winter warmer and uses many British ingredients and it's a real cheap and quick meal too. In season right now, sugar. As we've been speaking about the Sugar Beet campaign is in full swing and whilst the product is in year-round supply, it is harvested between September and March. So I thought I would share my quick, easy, no-fuss chocolate sponge cake recipe using silver spoon dark brown sugar. So... 350 grams of dark brown sugar, 350 grams of butter, 350 grams of self-raising flour, four or five eggs, 50 grams of cocoa powder. It's your classic sponge recipe. Um, So you cream the sugar and the butter, add the eggs, flour and cocoa powder. And if you want a really rich chocolate cake, melt in a bar of dark chocolate. Very naughty. Um, <laughs> split the mixture into two round nine centimeter lined cake tins and cook at 210 for about 25 to 30 minutes use a skewer to ensure the cake is cooked before allowing to cool once cool you can make some icing using silver spoon icing sugar butter and cocoa powder with a dash of vanilla essence and spread the icing on the top of one cake and place the other on the top make it look pretty with some icing sugar dusted on top Dan, how does that sound? Yeah, I could have a go at that. <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd have a go at it. I think I'd probably have a eating it rather than making it. <laughs> absolutely. Well, the proof of in the pudding is in the eating, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. No, well, I thought you might like that one. Um, it's so easy to do. Um, and, yeah, I just sort of throw it together and hope for the best. I'm, you know, I'd never say that I was like this expert cook or anything, but, uh, you know, as a busy parent, it's, you know, something I like to have a bit of a dabble at and know where my food comes from and the food provenance. So it's a bit sort of a recipe and homage uh, to our to our, my visit the other week. So, um there we are (laughs) okay so that's all we've got time for today don't forget to tune in to the next episode of the countryside kitchen meets on the first of each month you can subscribe on all major podcast streaming platforms and get in touch would you like to be on a future episode want to chat to me about what you do and share some recipes too drop me a line at hello at millie5.com and you can also follow my food blog, No Fuss Meals with Busy Parents, on Facebook, Instagram, and at www.nofussmealswithbusyparents.com for more top tips, time-saving hacks, and recipe ideas. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. I very much loved learning more about the sugar journey. Um, and I know the listeners will have learned so much from you, so thank you. Uh, been a- Thanks, oh. Millie. Well, I hope we can stay in touch anyway, and uh, I will keep on banging the drum on British Sugars for Half as well, just to sort of make people more aware of what what is grown in this country and where you can buy. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate yeah, it's it. Yeah, good, Millie. Nice to show you around. All thank right. you. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>